Our scripture passage this morning is from the 8th chapter of Acts. I'm going to begin with verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasurer of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And Philip ran up to the chariot. He heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotos, traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is a story of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When my 12-year-old son was an infant, and by the way, I should tell you, he's a healthy guy now playing in a big baseball game tonight, but when he was six months old, He woke up in the ungodly hours of the morning hungry and ready to start the day. So we sleepily gave him some milk, some milk mixed with cereal, and we put him back in his crib. Several minutes later, my husband Keith went in to check on him, and the baby was struggling to breathe. In a matter of minutes, we sent our daughters down the driveway to our neighbor's house, and we jumped in our truck for the ER. The closest ER was stumped, and they put me and the baby in the back of an ambulance for a larger hospital. In the ambulance, I prayed the only words that came to my mind, send me an angel. I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. Lord, send me an angel. That experience in the back of an ambulance gave me an appreciation for prayers that must radiate out of ambulances. And so when I see one with its sirens on, I do my best to join in prayer. When we arrived at the hospital, we were greeted by a medical team And the baby was now breathing with some ease, so I was handed off to a pediatric nurse who showed me to our hospital room. She introduced herself. She said, I'll be your nurse, and my name is Angelica. 
Really? Her name was Angelica. I read it on her name tag on her lanyard. It was Angelica. And I tell you this story not to tell you how special I am in God's eyes, but simply because I know that it's true that we often serve as messengers for one another, as angels for each other. And I'm certain that you've had similar experiences. Acts chapter 8 is a story of the Holy Spirit sending Philip with just the right words at just the right time. Philip's adventures in chapter 8 are a bit of a surprise. You see, he's one of the seven chosen by the apostles to serve the widows, essentially to wait tables. So the apostles can give their attention to prayer and to teaching the word. Just two chapters after we hear of Philip's job description, serving and feeding the widows, we get this story. And Philip, well, he's in the apostles' kitchen. He's praying and he's teaching the scripture. He's not staying in his lane. And really, if I'm honest with you, this whole story is a mess. It's full of surprises. No one in this story does what they are expected to do. Not Philip, not the Ethiopian eunuch, and certainly not the Spirit. But that does seem to be the way of the Holy Spirit. Will Willimon uses the word absurd in his commentary to describe the, Philip, the, the Spirit's instructions to Philip. Just a few minutes ago, you heard the way this story starts in verse 26. Go south on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's what the Spirit of the Lord tells Philip. But listen again with your experience of the first few days of summer in San Antonio. There's no air-conditioned car on this journey. Are you ready? Here's how Willimon rewrites verse 26. He says, the Spirit tells Philip, Travel down a deserted desert road at noon. Okay, that sounds hot and that sounds dangerous. It's not logical, it's not safe, not even enjoyable. The Spirit of God is a bit rogue, bringing life and breath to surprising places, but we've seen it before. Life to lumps of clay, breath to the dry bones of Ezekiel. Chapter 8 begins with the followers of Christ being persecuted. They're being persecuted and scattered. Only the apostles remain in Jerusalem. Stephen has been stoned to death. And a man named Saul is going house to house in Jerusalem, dragging men and women out of their homes and putting them in prison And yet, in the middle of this scene, the Spirit is on the move, whispering instructions and filling the sails of the early church, providing both direction and energy. Even when it appears that the apostles are trapped in Jerusalem, that they can't leave, the Spirit is on the go, taking the good news of the servant Messiah to the ends of the earth. And the ends of the earth and the minds of the ancient Greeks was in fact Ethiopia. 
And if the apostles can't go because they're stuck in Jerusalem, then the Holy Spirit will just use the wait staff to travel to the ends of the earth. On the desert road to Gaza, Philip meets an Ethiopian eunuch, a treasury official in the court of the queen, and the spirit tells Philip to go close to his chariot. And I want you to imagine a traveling carriage like an ox-drawn wagon of sorts. This isn't an athletic event. This is a journey. And so in the carriage is a driver, the Ethiopian, and enough room for Philip as well. When Philip hears the man reading from Isaiah, he tells him how Jesus meets this job description that Isaiah has written for the suffering servant Messiah. And then this man from the edge of the earth, past what Philip knows to be civilization, is baptized. Every baptism is a declaration that the person who is baptized is a beloved child of God. New Testament scholar Ben Witherington wrote, The good news is going to everyone. The leaders of the church can only try to catch up. God's plan operates beyond our control. A few years ago, I went to visit my college daughter in Denton, Texas for a couple of days. The first morning that I was there, she said, let's go to my favorite brunch place. It'll be crowded, but it's good that we're not going on the weekend because you just simply can't get in there on a Saturday or a Sunday. Claire also asked her friend Ozma to join us so I could meet her. And even though I had yet to meet Ozma, I knew two things about her. The first thing that I knew was that she was my daughter's wonderful new freshman year friend. It's so great for your child to have a friend their freshman year of college. And the second thing that I knew about Ozma was that she and her family were Muslim. Well, the girls were right. The place was packed. I had a hard time finding a parking place, even though there were plenty of places to park around that building. As we got out of the car, I thought, you know, there's something really familiar about this place, and wow, there's so many windows here. When we stepped into the restaurant and onto the wooden floors, I knew. I knew. I knew right where the pulpit used to be. I knew right where the choir loft had been. I knew where the center aisle had been, where brides and and wedding parties and grooms had trod, and the waitress sat us very close to what I imagined was once a beautiful stained glass window. You know, there were all kinds of people there. It was packed. And this is a college town. I saw skin stretched and pierced in ways that I didn't know it could be stretched and pierced and painted I saw hair cut and dyed in ways that I just don't see in good old Alamo Heights. I think I managed not to embarrass my daughter and her friend, whose family is from Pakistan, which for me, quite frankly, is the ends of the earth. I looked around that restaurant. I saw a diverse crowd of people sharing meals together and laughing. You know, they were acting like they knew that they were loved. I wanted to stand up in that restaurant, 
to clink my water glass with my knife and to say, excuse me, excuse me, can I have your attention? Do you know where you are? Do you know that you're in a church? Will you come act like this in my church? Church tradition says that the eunuch in Acts 8 becomes the very first evangelist to Ethiopia, and I believe it. Acts tells us that even when the Spirit carries Philip away, the Ethiopian goes on his way rejoicing. Isn't it true that we all want joy? Joy is the best evangelism posture. He was reading from the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, and I suspect that he saw himself in the text, and then he discovered the Messiah, a Savior that understood him. And I think if he kept reading, if he kept reading in Isaiah, he would get to chapter 56 and read these words, the days are coming when the eunuch who hears my voice and obeys my law and keeps my commandment, I will give him a place in my house and I will give him a name and it shall be to him as generation and generation and generation of children. A place, a name, and a story. A story that doesn't end. We are all given a place, a name, and a story in baptism. And that's good news. That is a worthy message. You know, I can see that halo on your head. I see it. It'll shine a little bit brighter when you tell someone who is very different from you that they too have a name, a place, and a story.